Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the 320 Club podcast. <laughs> I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rox. Yeah. Why is it called the 320 Club, Whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> I forget. It was really slick. Well, 420 was already taken, and it's happy hour somewhere else. End intro. We gotta... We gotta... <laughs> That was good. A valiant effort from my co-host. I love it. It was good. <laughs> okay. So in the news today. What happened in the news today? I've been babysitting. Canada Post was legislated back to work. Well, that was that today? That happened a couple of days ago, didn't it? Well, it was in the news this week. It's still going on. Yeah, it's still ongoing. And it, it, because they lost the right to strike, people are stepping up and striking for them. That's and blocking, right. Blocking the that. trucks. For people who are not affiliated with the union... Um, or affiliated with Canada Post are striking on behalf and like blocking trucks and all kinds of stuff. That's crazy. And we're for democracy, and that's a democratic action. I like it. It's a democratic action. The right to demonstrate. You're breaking the law. They're not breaking. They're not breaking the law if they're non. If they're not legislatively back to work, they're standing up. But you're obstructing a service. Protesting is is still allowed. Yeah, protesting is allowed, but like you're preventing people from being able to do the do their jobs, and they're all too happy to let them do it. They're slowing them down, and that's okay. That's what that's what the action's for. <clears throat> okay, if they're blocking freedom of movement and access, yeah, that's that's important. If they just slow them down, that's okay. They and we're off. off to the races, Jesus! Like you're just trying to silo me in my own little corner, aren't you? What are we drinking here? Uh, it was a homebrew wine. It's a good cap. Cabernet so wait, we're a podcast with pseudonyms like Whiskey and Rocks, and we're drinking wine. What kind of savage barbarism is this? This is step one. Step two is brandy. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Step I three, like we close with whiskey. It's good. I like it. I like it. I brought some stuff for us, too, so we'll, uh, we'll crack into that a little bit later, maybe. So we won't be thirsty. Yes, indeed. Okay, so clearly you want to talk about unions. Yeah, let's talk about unions. <laughs> what about them? Well, there's the Actors Guild. Um, unions are important. I think they're an important part of our of our history. They're an important part of our 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 business landscape. And there's a lot of mixed feelings about unions. <clears throat> there so, is. I mean, in my history, I belong to unions. I've worked with unions. Some experiences have been good. Some experiences have been not so good. But ultimately, I think they serve a fundamental purpose in our society. I don't disagree with you, but I... Did you use a double negative? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm trying to sound like an intelligent. <laughs> um, I don't disagree with you, but the reason is, uh, the reason why I might take some issue is, in terms of structuring, I find whenever unions get big or too inflated, um, they stop fulfilling their given mandate. Like, what? what's a union supposed to be responsible for? Service employees. Okay. Service their employees. The employees for which they represent. Yeah. Okay. So what happens when that contradicts with the workings of other unions? Take... The take Unions have laws that so they have to abide by. Take, look, take a look at the cab driver's union right now. Or what's been happening with a lot in the last year when they basically legislate tried to get the government to come in and tell uh, Uber that Uber was no longer allowed 
uh, they wanted to make it illegal for Uber to be active in Canada. So they basically wanted to take away the livelihood of other workers in Canada who were not part of the cab union. So who governs the licensing of cab drivers? Well, it ain't the Ministry of Transportation. It's the cities that they operate in. Okay. And they limit the number of permits. So the cities, for the, for since the invention of the taxi driver who have mandated what cab drivers could operate and with what rules, the city provided permits. Some of the, In Winnipeg, I think it was $48,000 for a permit. The city regulated the number of cab drivers because <clears throat> without a permit, they couldn't operate. And the internet came along and said... Screw you, cities, because we're gonna we're gonna monetize drivers who can go out and drive whenever they want and then do whatever they want, and they're gonna do it all through an application called Uber. Well, Uber was called, was called a ride sharing program, so that's the deviousness of how they went in, or ingeniousness, because depending how you look at it. <clears throat> and no, it's, they're actually regulated. There's in many areas, if not shortly, will be. If you look at the number of sexual assaults that's happened by Uber drivers, that's, that's on the rise. Eventually, one there's going to be a tipping point. The reason we started regulating cab drivers is because of the number of people that were assaulted and taken advantage of. If you go to you're a talking th- about cab drivers themselves, or are you cab talking drivers about themselves, passengers. Cab drivers were assaulting passengers for whatever reason. And so, on them. the other hand, with Uber, it's it's drivers who are getting caught, with, you know, with their hand in the cookie jar. Oh, I mean, hand in the cookie jar, sexually assaulting people. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're doing bad shit. So, I mean, this this practice, there's the only way is to regulate it. And you know what? Uh, proper Uber drivers now require insurance before they can be licensed. So, so the licensing is evolving along with the business. Well, but let's get back to the point here about, um, about uh, un- the union itself, about a cab union wanting to have something like Uber banned. Isn't that infringe upon a people people's freedom of action? You can't tell other people that they can't do this. Well, you they've can't been doing ban- the cab drivers, the, the government's been doing to cab drivers for a number of years. The government's been doing what to cab drivers? Municipal governments have been regulating the number of cab drivers. So by regulating def- the number be- of cab drivers. Because they only issue a certain amount of licenses. Okay. So that's being regulated, uh, the number of, that are available. So... You're saying it's unorth, it's unethical for, uh, for a union to fight Uber coming into the country when the cab Don't drivers. You, you put just words said it. in my mouth. No, you can't have it both ways. No, it's not having it both ways. I'm it's just serious. saying. You can't the just union, say it. Do you want to listen to what my actual point was or not? Sure, go don't for it. Po- don't be putting words in my mouth because here it is. It's when a union only looks out for the interests of its own workers. They don't give a fuck about anybody else. Well, if you're a union and you've been doing business a certain way and your business model depends on that certain way, the union is standing up for taxi drivers because their businesses and their interests depend on it. Sure. And because for the last, what, 40 but years? Their solution is to go and, uh, and lobby the government to go and get other drivers banned under a no. new wave of drivers? If you're going to change someone's business model that you've been operating under 40 years because just a, a nuance comes in, yeah, they should go to the legislature and ask for some something to be done about it. And not all municipalities not are accepted. Just something to be done about it. They wanted it banned. Period. Yeah, some are banned. Some are also limited. There's there's other ways to going about it. But uh, yeah, if you're gonna go for the all of it, I would go for ban. Yeah. 
But you're, so what's you're protecting happen? business interests. No, but it's a sign of the times. It's yeah. a sign of a dying medium. Just like a lot of shit that's going to happen. Look at the just the class of driver it, with the amount of automation that's going to be happening in the future. Like, what is one of the most highest categories of employee in the world? Driver. Look at all the automated cars that are, like, in, let's say in 15 years, you're going to be having automated cars all over the place, transport trucks, and that's going to put a lot of people out of work. Did you just go from Uber... And saying it's not good for unions because unions aren't good because I'm defending. just saying the writing no, is no, on no, the no. wall. No, 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 no. Listen, you're going from one to a topic to another part. No, and because they're slotting into one, they they dub because they're both drivers doesn't mean it's slot. They're all linked. No, it's all linked. It is linked. Yes, besides the fact that there's cars. Now we're talking about a business entity with a union. You were compl- you weren't happy, or you were bringing to the front that unions were defending. It, their business practices in the face of the rival Uber. They're fully allowed to do that. Yeah. Lobbying so, the government to take away the livelihood but of other people. Yeah. But, I mean, that's clearly not the answer because they got stonewalled by the government and they said, no, you can't do that. You that's can't. That's true. Keep, yes, it is. It is true. No, it's, it's exactly not. exactly what happened in the news. Yeah. Which spot? You think you're applying taxi laws are pretty well, are very similar all over the world. But in Vancouver, you can't get an Uber to save your life. Why not? Because Uber doesn't operate in Vancouver. You know why? Because really? I just tried to take one from, a, from, uh, from the airport. Oh, they you, don't, were, they, you were just in Vancouver? <laughs> yeah, so they don't exist there. You try and take one in London? So in, you're... Some places you're, you can't. Okay. So I'm telling you, your <laughs> uniform laws are your... You're, you're, no, <laughs> let me finish. Your uniform explanations of things are incorrect. Well, here... Okay. Here you are defending... The lives of all these cab drivers and their struggle. It's like, you know what sucks? I can't take an Uber in Vancouver. No. <laughs> There's going to be a song you, about no, that. No, don't, don't, <laughs> don't blend the facts. First fact, you said unions, uh, Uber's everywhere and cab drivers are complaining about it. Uber is trying to go into a whole bunch of different locations. Yes. But let's, get, let's get the business, yeah, let's get like the business straight else. here. And then you say, well, their business model has, has to change because they're self-driving cars. Okay, that's fine. But give them notice. If, if I was a cab driver and I just spent $48,000 to renew my license and Uber comes in, well, what the hell? Wait, you're, you're telling me to give them time because automated drivers are coming in? So let's January 1st, I pay, <clears throat> spend $48,000 on the government's or the municipal government's rules on taxis legislation. And then six months into it, Uber says, okay, uh, Uber can come in and uh, deal with it. That's not fair. Who, the, sa- who said that? That's what the municipal governments were doing. The municipal government wanted Uber to sort out an issue? No. Follow the logic. I pay, let's say your driver's license. You buy your driver's license, right? Yeah. You pay for it. I'm required to okay. by the government. Yeah, you're required to. Yeah. So you, come June... Let's say six months after you paid for your driver's license, they say, "Yeah, it's no longer required." Who says what's no longer required? no longer required to pay your driver's license fees? Well, then I want my money back. God well, that's what's it. happening to cab drivers, and they're not getting their money back. How are these two mutually exclusive? How are these two linked? They're not mutually exclusive; they're intertwined. How? Uber's coming in, not paying taxi fees. Municipalities spoke. Municipalities are requiring that taxis pay. They're uh, chauffeurs and taxi license. But Uber is not required Uber is not required to do it. Why not? 
That's what they're pissed off about. Yeah, but they just said ban Uber. That was their solution. Well, because Uber's refusing to conform. Because <clears throat> what? Uber's refusing to conform. Well, they don't have to. They're non... They're non-jurisdictional. They're not beholden to any... Each one of those clients is now operating the outside their jurisdiction. They're operating a service within a municipality. It's business. Yeah, I know. It's business. If you're operating a legitimate business, you have to follow the business rules. Okay, so if I'm running a business, a podcasting business, and somebody comes along and starts basically spouting the same messages that we're spouting, should we just... Is our only course to just go ahead and lobby the podcast organizers or whatever the podcast overlords and tell them uh, they shouldn't be allowed to have that message because we're basically providing the same service, so you need to ban them. Because that's what the cab driver's union wanted to do. Yes, it's because the municipalities set it up that way. Not the cab companies. The cab companies were being compliant within municipal law. Yeah, Uber was outside that law. And so they then why didn't they lobby the government to make sure that Uber was compliant with the law instead of just saying ban, the, ban Uber? Well, they're ban Uber because they're not conforming to laws. What they Maybe were doing. their union was too weak to actually have a solid argument. Maybe they didn't know what they were actually looking out for. Okay, now you're doing what ifs, and you, whenever I do a what if, you, you complain. Just saying, no. they failed in their mission. Well, except for in Vancouver, where you complained about not being. And able London, to get a there's Uber. a whole bunch of, and Kansas too. So, <laughs> like. You're getting really mad. No, you're saying all this random shit. No, it's not random. <laughs> it's totally random. It's true. So I gotta equate all your little bullshit lies, and I gotta They're put them in their place. Lies. Put them in the pen. It's in. We've been posting this shit on Facebook for the last week, and you call it lies? Come on, you not read exactly what's being posted or what? Oh, I do. Come I on, do. Man. That's why I came armed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, man. Okay, then why would the taxi government, taxi drivers, go to? The, Go to the, uh, what legal standpoint would they have to go after Uber? They don't have a legal standpoint. That's their competition. And they have to either outcompete them. How, how is it? And to, they can't. They can't outcompete how, them. So their only action was to go and lobby the government and tell them Uber should not be allowed to operate within Canada. How is it their competition? One's a ride hailing service, one's a taxi service. They're both effectively taxi services. As you as a, as a passenger, you're trying to get from point A to point B. You're paying for a service to get from point A to point B. Don't fucking muddy the waters. So if they're a taxi service, if Uber is effectively a taxi service, why shouldn't they be regulated by a taxi service? You don't have to ask Uber. No, well, no I'm asking you. So why didn't they get shut down? Well, they have to, the government's decided to change their model. Okay, so then why can't the cab drivers get rescinded on that on their responsibility? What do you think one of the grapes is? I don't know what that is. Grape. What Didn't are, say that. Well, it's because they pay all these fees in order to operate Didn't as taxes. Didn't say that in the article. All it said oh. was that they just wanted to get rid of them all. Get them out of here. That's all they cared about. And they failed. you got to read more than one article. Not all of them have failed. Right, the one in Vancouver. Right. There's other ones, so just keep looking. <clears throat> Anyways, what other unions do you like? I'm not a particular fan of unions, to be honest. But if you're here to spank me, <laughs> it's not going to be a fun time for you. I'm not going down without a fight, man. <laughs> 
expect nothing less, my friend. Well, look at what's happening with GM right now. Look at the situation or the position that GM, the workers, they're they're basically being told, yeah, um, we're leaving, um, so pack up your shit and get out of here. And that's really shitty. I mean, I'm talking about GM itself telling its its workers, especially within Oshawa, Ontario, telling them that, hey, uh, we're closing up shop in Canada and we're moving out. We're closing down all the uh, all the lines that we have there. Like they got the Buick LaCrosse. Uh, there's a few Cadillacs. I think the Chevy Cruze was there. Um, they got the Impala. I can't remember. There was one more. They used to have the Camaro there, but that was like over 10 years ago. Okay, so let's go. Your original statement was, Pack your shit, we're, we're leaving. Did I get that right? Stop trying to tie up my words. Don't play a lawyer. I Don't just, be a I just dick, asked man. what you just said. GM is leaving Canada. They're still left in Ingersoll, but it's only a matter of time before they leave Canada altogether. Okay, and, then once it, and the what, workers are going to be left without jobs. Okay. Okay, one part you said was a story, and what the other part was innuendo. What are you getting at here? I'm saying, let's refocus on the story. You first said... That's what the story is. Well, GM said, is leaving Ingersoll Oshawa, is only a matter of time, is what you said. Yeah, it is only it's a matter not, of that time. That wasn't in the news. Well, that is in the news. It is. It Ingersoll? Is in the news. I didn't read any about Ingersoll. It is in the news. It's the only so. reason I know about it is because it was in the news. Anyways, <laughs> but how is the union responsible for this? How is a union responsible for this? Well, one of the arguments presented was that the high cost of workers within GM in Canada um, is one factor leading towards uh, GM leaving Canada. It's not the only factor. Their biggest reasons was because they wanted to break into a more automated market. They wanted to get into, I think it was more fuel-efficient cars, that kind of stuff, and production lines. And despite... Oshawa, Ontario's attempt to innovate and bring up new lines. I don't even know if they did, to be honest. Um, I thought they had, um, based on discussions that I've had with other people. But the uh, it seems like there was no attempt to innovate to bring lines up in the manufacturing uh, in Oshawa to go and uh, get them competitive into the, you know, the automated car market, into the, into the, uh, the fuel-efficient market, all that kind of stuff. So whose decision is that? Well, it should be whoever is running the manufacturing at GM, right? But think about how much a GM worker gets paid and who caused that to happen. On average, a thirty. Let's say they make about thirty-five dollars an hour, a GM worker, and that's not false. That's not false. There's two people agreed to that contract, by the way. Two people agreed to that contract. It's a union agreement with the company. What? When when a union agreement is signed, it has the wages in it. Two parties signed it. Okay, so the company and the union did it, but does that not have an adverse effect over time? And it forces business to go down, and it costs more money because of the amount of labor that's going into it. What do you mean by business go down? Well, wouldn't 
GM lose money, more money over time by having to pay their workers more. Yeah, they lost so much money last year. Now they're making money. So what's the problem? They're making money because they're cutting costs everywhere else. You and this is costs. one example. If you, even if your employee costs are high, or even if they're low, you always cut costs. Yeah. So it's an abstract concept. And they're cutting costs by completely abandoning Canada. Well, they're not going to... Don't talk in absolutes. Completely abandon Canada? I think they're going to want to try and sell stuff here. If they leave... Well, no. I'm talking about... And there's part suppliers. Costs of operating in Canada. Yeah, for now. They'll sell it to us, but they won't buy... They won't... Uh, and and if Canadians have anything to say about it, they're probably going to go and tell them, shove your cars right up your ass because you got rid of all the jobs and you took away Canadian jobs and gave them away down to places like in Mexico. Oh, I agree with you. I'm, I've been looking for a truck, and I'm not going to buy a Chevy anymore. But mm-hmm. l- listen, so the business part of this, I understand cutting costs. I understand the the importance of the factory in Oshawa. Um, but let, let's be let's be frank. Like their factory was way too big for what how many vehicles they're producing. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> and the other side of this. When you, neoclassical growth theory states that if you have fixed capital, fixed resources, okay, the only way to innov- uh, to improve production is to innovate. So it's GM not wanting to put the new stuff here. You see the videos of them on the floor. Most of it's automated. So the plant, the, 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 view that they need to move production out of here because of automation maybe it's a long, is a is a fallacy because it looks like then why would how is it a fallacy well, if hold it on. was brought so, but, up in the news so many times i know maybe they move because of automation maybe they because they invest in a new plant the plant is better automated than this one they decide close factory when you're talking about automation what exactly are you saying i need you to be clear here automations whenever a task that's normally performed by a human is Done through through a mechanic, okay. a, a automatic mechanical means. So you and I are not thinking in the same line of thought here when it comes to automation. When I'm talking about automation, I'm talking about they want to produce automated cars, cars that are self-driving. Makes right? no dif- makes no difference. Well, it makes a difference to GM because that's one of the reasons for why they're leaving Canada. So I'm an electrical engineer, and a part is a part is a part. So in assembly line manufacturing, it's all very similar. And if they got the tools to build the rest of the car in one spot and plug in a little brick to, to do the AI stuff, um, something doesn't smell right to me. Well, two years ago, they said that they hired on about 1,000 a thousand um, new engineers um, specifically to, I think it was to help out with GM, to help out bring in more, uh, you know, more innovation. I mean, there was a whole photo op with uh, the Prime Minister and everything about it, about how it was so it was going to be so great for Canadians and it's going to be great for Canadian jobs. And even in the article, it already sensed that bad days were going to be coming ahead for GM employees. So, yeah, your, your argument here, your argument here is something doesn't smell right because, okay, it looks like, in the manufacturing division, 
they should be able to interchange something. They should be able to interchange parts. They should be able to just switch from one car into you know another car. And well, turn no, there's it into a retooling process. Car. There's a retooling process. Sure, sure. That they there you should be already used to. But in your argument, it sounded like you were saying, okay, the argument that they want to leave the Canadian manufacturing because um, because we don't have the capacity to do. Uh, manufacturing of automated cars or cars that are more fuel efficient you're saying it sounds like you're saying that sounds like a bullshit argument i'm deliberately saying it's a bullshit argument so then if that's what you're saying why would gm be leaving because then well first of all intellectually intellectual property will go across gm workers no because the union fought so hard since the 90s to make sure that they got very well paid in order to do the job that they had to do. Okay, so so you're ta- so let's look at it this way. Interesting enough, the cars that are being manufactured are high margin cars. So Cadillac, for example. Yeah. Those are our, considered luxury cars, and they have a high margin to them. Yeah. You know what the second car that also has a high margin? Hybrids. Okay. Because they're in demand. All electric cars. Another margin because there's so few of them on the market and the demand for them is high. So they're high margin vehicles. They also so, have the Chevy Impala, which is one of the most well selling uh, cars in Canada. So, with that in mind, if they're paid 10% more, well, the company has still usually when a high markup item is between 30 and 50%, there's still margin for them to make money. So something else is going on here. It could be the steel tariffs of importing steel products into Canada. Is it the threat of steel tariffs down south? I or don't the know. threat of the collapse of NAFTA or the actual imminent collapse of NAFTA and this, you know, this new trade agreement. What is it called? US, USCM? L-F-M-N-O-P? It rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> Canusma? Yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, we we changed the name so it puts Canada first, and then Mexico changed the name so it puts Mexico first. No, although I heard the way I heard is that when it was originally started, Can US was the, Can US Mexico was the first letters, and then through subsequent talks, it changed. But originally, it was written down as Canada leading. But I'm whatever. Shaking my head. Whatever. It's silly. It's just a name. It's silly. They argue about the name and not the actual content of which it provides. And then workers get fucked over and businesses get fucked over. Like, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I don't disagree with you that unions are of benefit to individuals. They certainly are. I agree with you on that. But the problem is, is the problem I have is when unions get too inflated and they start exceeding their mandate and they start arguing for stuff that could end up putting businesses out of business. And one of the arguments that's being made right now is, uh, especially against uh, the GM, against GM unions, one of the reasons why uh, the company is moving outside of Canada and Canadians are losing jobs in Oshawa is because the union was too inflated. It was, it, it was too powerful, and it got the wages were way too high for what the people were doing. And as a 
cost effective or as a cost measure or a cost elimination measure, one of the arguments put forward is that GM is trying to save costs, so they're gonna they're gonna go and find lower paying labor to be able to do the same job. Yeah, and they should do it. I'm not arguing that they shouldn't do it, but some what the arguments are giving are weak. How is it weak to say that it could have been the union's no, when they fault say, for this to have happened? If the, if no, each GM worker was no, getting no, paid no, no, minimum no. wage Listen, or plus, if you just told me that you they're moving out so they can uh, focus on you know hybrid cars delivery, you know to me that's still no no still no no the, that's not what I said. I said if one of the arguments put forward is that the union got too powerful, got too greedy, and okay, so let's take the let's take it. If uh, if GM workers were paid slightly above minimum wage, so say they were paid about forty grand a year, fifty grand a year, as opposed to what they are making on average now, like base salary is like seventy k a year at thirty five dollars an hour. You and then if you work time and a half or whatever, you're making like some people are making over six figures working on an assembly line. Like, is that? Is that the sign of a, of a successful union? You're goddamn right it is, but is the company going to lash back over time? You're goddamn right they are. They're going to come back at the union. They're going to say, you know what? You guys are too expensive for us to be able to continue manufacturing. We're going to take our business somewhere else and manufacture elsewhere. And that's a common argument that's against. It's one, one example of where unions get too, too inflated, too powerful, and they exceed their mandate. Okay, you still haven't given me an example where they exceed their mandate. Well, how about when they start getting involved in politics? Everybody gets involved in politics. Yeah, but unions aren't allowed to do that themselves. Like, they're not allowed to lobby the government, are they? They can lobby through their people. Oh, so they can pressure their people to go and support support whatever government initiative that's going to support the union, even though an individual may not agree with that? And if the individual doesn't agree with what the union pushes forward... Now you're injecting words. Well... Now you're injecting words. What do you mean when you say I'm injecting words? Well, you have a way of arguing. I don't know where you got it from. But in one sense, you, you present an argument. Then you slightly change your argument. And then when I go back to, we go back to discuss it, uh, you're no longer there. You know Why? Because I can't allow myself to be completely attached to my ideas. Because in order to be, in order to be, in order to be able to grow as a human being, I have to be able to be accepting of new ideas. But you right? Need to, you need to know well, accepting new ideas. But the other thing is, if you're going to present a position, you got to defend it. Yeah, I am defending no, it. No, you're not. I'm doing it very well. No, you're not. I am. No, you're I think not. I'm doing it pretty good. Because you're, you're trying slimy. to poke at me. You're slimy. Nope, I'm not slimy. I think I'm doing it well. I think I'm getting under your skin for once, and it makes me feel good. Now, granted, I'm probably going to get spanked by the end of this episode. I'm okay with that. But as long as I got my shots in, that's all that matters. <laughs> okay, so... What were we talking about? <laughs> All you're, you're talking about how you're defending how companies, uh, they can make money here, and then when they're done making money, they get up and leave the country for seemingly logical fallacies in the sense is that cars can be made anywhere, and they've been making here. We have other companies in the, that have other companies that are represented by the same union that are doing okay and making money, <clears throat> and their shares are high. And uh, they're re- report- reporting profits. So if GM is leaving, 
my view is it's leaving because it feels that it can't compete here. It feels that it can't compete? For manufacturing, yeah. Oh, for manufacturing. Considering at the same time, uh, there's a, 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 a scarcity of manpower. So if it wants to increase manufacturing, it can't do it here. Well, that and the cost of labor. That's another factor. It's the same thing. When labor, labor, there's a labor shortage, the cost of labor is automatically going to be higher. But is it because of the cost of labor that there is a labor shortage? Is it because no, the GM don't workers have are paid pe- so there's, much? There's just not enough people. Well, then, if they're going to take There's a that, national labor shortage in most areas. It's a national... I thought this economy was booming, that there's labor all over the place, that there's no. manufacturing jobs all over the well, place. Well, you just said it contradicted itself. What? So if the, if the economy is booming, that means there's, t- there's a massive amount of under... Or sorry... There's lots of jobs available for everyone. There's lots of jobs available for everyone, but there's not everyone available for those jobs. There's not enough people. There's not enough people? There's not enough people in this country right now. There's many companies that are registering that they would do more, do more business, but they can't because there's just not enough people here. Okay. So is it really the job shortage? And right now, because our economy is booming... Labor is automatically going to be high, whether the union's there or not. They're going to go where the money is. Well, there's a lot of money to be made working for a place like GM. There won't be, but there's a lot of place, a lot of place to make money everywhere. But right now, there's just no. But not I enough mean, people. good money, where you can make when you can make you know minimum seventy k a year, you know starting salary working for a place like GM. You could be a personal support worker working overtime in a hospital. With with very little education and make seventy grand a year, if that's what you want to get I, into, but that requires you're, a certain that requires a certain aptitude. Your point is it requires, mute. No, not well, your point is mute. Your people are going to gravitate jobs they like. That's period. I don't know if people like working on an assembly line. I don't According know. According if, if you to uniform, people do. Yeah, well, because they get paid, son. Like. There you go. People don't like. If you do- got paid minimum wage working at a job like GM, you're like, what? How? How do I get out of here and get into something where I can make better money? Well, if they're going to be making money, they're going to be happy to make that money, and recognizing that other skilled, tra- other more skilled trades require more school. Not everybody wants to go to school, and if nobody wants to do that job, people aren't going to go do it. So you're going to have to pay more wages in order to attract more people. That's just how it works. Supply demand. Except the demand is that the union makes sure that, that doesn't make any workers sense at get all. paid. You're just vilifying unions. When if you look at the turn of the century, anyone. what they've done for us uh, in the sense of they're raising the issues of workers to the forefront. I'm just Otherwise, saying. child labor would be a, 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 a very common thing in Canada. Okay. Easy on the hyperbole there. It's not hyperbole. That's one of the things they pushed out. We don't have child labor in Canada. When we started unions? Yeah, we did. Okay. What happened 100 years ago and what's happening now? Yeah, one is led to the other, but okay. You can't start bringing child labor into the argument of why GM is going under right now. Why don't we have something called the Labor Party here in Canada? Well, we do. 
but it's not called the Labor tra- Labor Party anymore, right? We don't have the Labor Party. When we talk about workers and their rights and looking after workers' interests, being politically active so uh, workers are looked after, that's what unions have been done. And they've done it for 100 <clears throat> years. Well, that's something that the left has been normally associated with is they've been for protecting of workers' rights, yeah. for protecting the rights and freedoms of those who are most likely disenfranchised from society. My point is unions fill that role. Yeah. They're the voice. Technically, they're voted in. Yes. They're voted members of their little society and their clique that defends worker rights, bringing it to the forefront. Sure. So they have their, they have a place in Canadian society. Absolutely. They have a place in Canadian history. Absolutely. They do. And I will restate my point that I said at the very beginning of the podcast. I do not disagree with you. They are necessary to make sure that workers' rights are looked after. Yes, because if they they didn't exist, their mandate. You still have an example. What I'm saying, you still have not given me an example where they see their mandate. they've done everything they were charged to do. Be careful. Be careful of trying to put words in my mouth, sir, because it's not going to work. You keep doing that. No, I don't. Yes, I have said there are times when they exceed their mandate. And there are times when they do exceed their mandate. Okay? Like? Oh, look at how the teachers union gets involved with political parties. All unions and all people and all businesses involved with political parties. How they lobby the government. How are they allowed to bring big money into the government? You're not looking out for workers' rights. You're spending all the money that you have on getting a certain party campaign elected. That has nothing to do with you your just la- said all. That has nothing to do you with your said workers' all. rights. You can't talk in absolutes and then not be expecting to challenge. Well, you. what's the what is the union's mandate to look after their workers? They are okay. So, what does lobbying a government to and and providing money towards a government entity entity uh, trying to get elected? What does that have to do? With looking after uh, laborers' Lobbying rights. is technically illegal in Canada, if we didn't read that correctly. Lobbying is technically illegal in Canada? Yeah. Then why do I keep hearing about it? I don't know. Why do you keep hearing about it? Why does that keep getting used as an argument? Maybe because somebody's lying to you. No, why would anyone lie to me? Whiskey? <laughs> hmm? So you can have that smug look on your face? I don't think so. They find sneaky ways of doing that. My argument is, okay, first of all, unions have a mandate that they need to fulfill. They need to look after the rights of, uh, the rights of their, those they represent. But the problem is, is when they start getting too inflated, they stop looking after that mandate. They only care about the agenda of the union. Yes. And the agenda of the union, they'll they'll use they'll they'll go out and they'll go out and spout out, oh yeah, we're looking after workers' rights, but they didn't actually stop to think about what kind of impact their initiatives would actually accomplish. Okay. So, just reading through the Canadian Encyclopedia here, uh, lobbyists of the federal government are required to are governed by the Lobby Act which came in into 1989, <clears throat> they have to be registered, identify their clients, and the agencies they're approaching. What does that mean? Lobbyists working for associations or corporations are asked only to identify themselves and their employers. So what does that mean? 
Well, the lack came about because looking for transparency and who things are lobbying for. Yes, there. So only individuals can lobby <coughs> the government. Is that what they're saying there? No, a lobby. A corporation can hire a lobbyist to portray their point. So can a union? Yeah, they're corporations. Unions are corporations. Yeah, often they are. Yeah. So how does that translate into? I'm still looking out for the concerns of my of the workers that I represent when I have now become a corporation. I've basically become the enemy now. What? You How can you a, say they're the enemy when they have to work together? You like, become you a corporation. Make any sense. You become a corporation. Why is a corporation an enemy? Because corporations want to be treated just like regular people, but they're not. What are you talking about? Well, it's true, isn't it? No! <laughs> corporations don't want to be treated like individuals. <laughs> That's not true. No! That's bullshit. No. And you know it's bullshit. Don't you dare Echo laugh. The act of incorporation gives a company the right to certain rights as a, there was of, a of whole an individual. court case about it that corporations are to be treated like individuals. Okay, by using the argument, why can't corporations vote? I don't know. Because they're not people. They <laughs> well, there you go. So then why would a union, why would a union want to become a corporation? And why would a union want to be able to lobby the government and influence government and politics? Well, they all have agendas. So do businesses. Like, it's like when you're playing checkers. Is if the black side has, uh, the black pieces have, one particular rules, and the lobby government has a different set of rules. All of a sudden, it's not not good anymore. Like, I don't know what you're arguing for here. I'm just saying. No, you're not. Unions have no business being in politics. That can't. is an example. You asked me. For an example of when unions exceed their mandate, when a union gets involved Except, in politics, me, you're exceeding your mandate. No. Period. No. Period. No, then how do we get minimum wage? How do we get workers' rights and all those civil liberties that look after the people? Get in politics. Leave the fucking union. That's how they did it. You the look union at is involved in politics. Yes. So are the corporations. So they didn't leave the union. They just used the union as a platform to pay for the political advantage. What? To lobby the government in order to pay for their advantage, in order to pay for their advertising, in order to bolster up whoever's image it was. You know, I'm, if, if you're going to represent workers' rights and you're going to increase the minimum wage as a, as a candidate running for, running for office, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you some money because I represent a very, very well-established union, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw money your way. I'm now going to influence yeah, Canadian on, politics. And what, on the other side... You have corporations doing the exact opposite for their own agenda. It's a level playing field. Why are you hating the game? The corporation is looking out for their own interests. So is the union. So okay. Look, looking the after union, is it looking out for the interests of its workers? A corporation looks after its board of directors and its shareholders. But and the, the union's, union's go- argument the union. is not with the government necessarily. It is with the corporation that they are that is apparently oppressing them. Okay. Well... What are you talking about oppressing them? Well, that's t- what you, that's the whole point. one side you get all dramatic, and the other side you're like, that's not true. Like, come on here. You got. Well, that's how they're going to frame the argument. This stuff. You're not paying us, us enough. You're, at, you're, you're, you're oppressing us as workers, so we need to get paid more for the work that we're expected. Yeah, and if they don't like it, then they can find another so job. So they're going to frame the argument. They're going to find go another ahead job. And say, go it takes two people to sign that agreement. 
You can't. You, yeah, if the, and in this if the case, corporation GM can, decided, no, we're not signing any agreement with you. We're actually going to leave. So bye bye. And that happens. And you know what? There's other automobile automobile plants that are looking for a worker. But you seem to be outright denying the idea that it was. It could have because it could have been because of the labor union that GM is leaving Canada. Or leaving, or, or abandoning. I would Canadian agree with workers. you if there was only one union. If there's only one plant and one union yeah. involved, well, ultimately only... the same unions representing a whole bunch of other auto manufacturers that are still here. So your union, your union anti-union argument fails. No, but it's one corporation. Correlation doesn't prove causation. It's my one friend. corporation no. that's deciding to pull out. You look like you're gonna like get your face stuck that way. It's kind of funny and comical to look at. You're so mad. No, I'm not mad. I, I just think what you're saying is absurd. Nope. It's not absurd. Yes, it's absurd. I heard it in the news. It must be true. Yes, your one-sided news, yes. <laughs> My one-sided news. Okay. No. The same one-sided news that you read <laughs> and anybody else reads. Read Canadian no. media. It's one side, man. What's one side? It's one side. You're only I'm looking at one side. You're saying that you're denying that the argument is even possible. You're denying no, that it's, it's a even logical, possible. It's a logical fallacy. It's a logical fallacy that it could have been the fact that Oh, it could have been now. Oh, no. Okay. It's a logical fallacy. Stop it. It's stop. a logical fallacy. No, just stop. Stop, okay? You're denying the possibility that it could have been because of the union inflating workers' wages causing GM to pull out of or pull uh, away from Canadian jobs. You denied that. I am saying that it's not correlation doesn't prove causation. So in business, there's one thing. There's more things in here than just the workers' wages. That's one argument that you was know presented what? by GM. GM, yeah. GM's been losing market share for years now. Volkswagen's the number one producer. Okay. Why? Why is that? Why could that be? Because they. I think you're you're anti-union, and you've only presented anti-union. Uh, Anti-union arguments. How am I anti-union yes. when Just I told you that point. I actually look at, I actually no, care about unions. I you're, actually because you're, think that you're unions only presenting the anti-union points because you're only presenting anti-union points. And you points. only you're, present pro-union points. It's because that's the only thing you're going here. And I'm trying to go into another domain here, okay? And you're like, no, that can't be it. GM has been losing market share for a number of years now. They're no longer the number one automotive producer in the world. Volkswagen's take is surpassed them. So there's other things at play here. GM isn't an innovator. Ford's the number one truck producer. Uh, Volkswagen's the number one automotive producer in the world. So what is GM? It used to be number one. So it's been in decline for years. If you're complaining about uh, cars being uh, bought, or sorry, the number of employees are employed in Canada, well, then buy more GM products. But in reality, it's no longer true anymore. Because there's all, all the all the other manufacturers are making parts and Nissan's got a plant in here as well, so like, yes, wages are a factor in costs. Yes, I can't deny that, but if you're telling me they're leaving because of the union, well, I'm gonna cry bullshit because there's other things that are going on here besides just workers' wages. It's not what they say in the news. Well, bull fucking shit. There's other news articles out here that predate this whole announcement of the decline of GM. Like, yeah, I know, and I posted them. So, like, you're fixated. Like, the writing was already on the wall. I already put it for it. You're telling me that I'm fixated on all the negativity of unions, but I'm also actually 
putting out the <coughs> counter arguments against all that shit. No. So don't you dare. I am actually trying to play devil's advocate to you because you're just like Union Uber Alice over here. Like, no, I'm calm not. the fuck down, buddy. No. Easy, easy. No, I'm not. Unions are not all they're out made out to be in your in the present presentation of your argument. I'm sorry. I'm well, you've my, only fixated on one. My union philosophy one. is the it doesn't even have to be associated with unions. The larger an organization gets, the more guaranteed it's time to corruption. That's all I'm saying. The the more the larger an organization gets, the more guaranteed it's time to corruption. That doesn't make any sense either. How? There's no guarantees in life. Yeah, there is. To the size They're gonna ta- die at some point. That's a guarantee. Taxes, but you know what? <laughs> like <laughs> the guaranteed organization corrupts. No. Yeah. The probability goes up. I'd argue. Why would that they one. come out with saying absolute power corrupts absolutely? It's an axiom. It's a guarantee. It's gonna happen gonna happen boy yeah but no one runs their business on that one they don't have to that's just what happens that's what happens when human beings get involved in any kind of structure of any kind over time as the structure gets larger it becomes too rigid it becomes corrupt and it eventually dies it's like you let me introduce you to the company called ibm it's been around for a century ib who ibm they're still making lots of money and then, in fact, in the war, they in got world, into the software game, didn't they? After they got oh, outcompeted man. by the likes of Microsoft and Apple. What are you talking about? I thought that's what I heard. Yeah, well, your news is wrong. <sighs> they're in the. They're in well, the. Set me straight. See, they're in, mac- you're in the macro. But so aggro here. Aggro it doesn't even make any sense. You never heard of the concept aggro? Is, yeah, agriculture. You're so mad. No, no God. No. no. Oh God, you're old. So you need to understand is that, is that these actions aren't always true. Businesses go through cycles of growth, reconstitution. They're all there. Mm-hmm. To say it's what a business is absolutely one thing that's wrong. Because a business is big, is there inefficiencies? Yeah. But all businesses have inefficiencies. But the larger business, the larger infi- uh, the inefficiencies. And they change over time. So well, they'll get better if they actually bring in some innovation or they bring in some creativity and they actually look at updating their structure. But by and large, if it doesn't happen, the business will go under because it'll end up being too rigid in its structure and it doesn't update. And the same thing happens with the union. Same thing happens with any organization. Any, it's it's any time humans are part of any group of any kind as it get as it increases in size. The structure, either it has two options. It has, you know, if it's going to get bigger, fine. But you have to maintain the structure, but you also have to update the structure. And if you don't update the structure, you're going to wither and die. Yes. Or you'll become too rigid and corrupt, and then you'll end up creating a lot of problems for a lot of people. Okay, what does corrupt mean to you? No longer fulfilling the original expectations that you were setting yourself out to do. Yeah, so I agree with you. That's normal. Yeah, that's normal stuff. Right. Same thing can be applied to something like a union. Mm, yep, but there's, again, there's people in there too. They're elected people. Speaking for the people. So where are we? Where were we? You haven't told me where unions out, out, outlive their, oh, act outside their mandate. Well, I already did, actually. I did tell you that. I just told you it doesn't. They don't. When you start getting involved in politics... But then companies. You're can't. not looking after your workers. 
I'm yes, sorry. Like you're you're paying all you're paying all these big money from all the union fees that you're getting from your workers, and you're using it to influence politics. Like, I don't see how that is looking out for your workers. Like, okay, you get a party elected that is going to that is going to create legislation and is going to you know benefit workers or whatever or increase minimum wage or whatever okay but you as the independent union that's that's not your job like that's not your job to it influence politics it all way. depends what the, what the, what the, the union needs, deems as a need for them to do still don't understand why you th- you're so against it i just think that they should stay in their lane they are in their lane. If they view it as no, they acting... just expanded their lane to encompass more than one actual friggin' mandate. What? Yeah, they are. So they're looking after their employees the best way they know how. And if it's a, employing a lobby group or lobbying the government directly to do a particular task, yeah. In fact, I didn't see Chrysler going to the uh, visiting with Pre- uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. To figure out a way to save the plant, save the plant, or produ- keep production here. I just saw the union leader trying to figure out a way to keep the plant here. Yeah. So, so there you go. In fact, businesses negotiate lower tax rates all the time in order to try and keep businesses profitable. He had to know though that going and trying to lobby the government to like do something for the union to keep the keep the jobs here uh, for a GM. He had to know that that was like a fruitless and like act of desperation. Like there's no way that it would have ever been successful. So why even bother trying? Like you can talk to the government and say, Hey, um, you know, all these people are going to be losing these jobs. Like why didn't the union do something for them? Or why didn't they negotiate with GMs? Like, listen, you're about to cut all these people's jobs, all their livelihood. And I mean, look at what else could be at threat too. If GM lose it, it completely leaves Canada. Like if they leave Ingersoll, it's not just the active employees that are getting fucked over. It's the people who are pensioned as well. They could lose their pensions. Well, they're not filing for bankruptcy, so that's not true. No, if they have no mandate in Canada, if they have no manufacturing contract or relationship in Canada, they don't have to play by Canadian rules. They could get sued by the Canadian government. They could get sued by the union, but the union becomes dissolved as soon as they leave, like, as soon as they leave Canada, they're no longer affiliated with the they're union. paid into the pension plan. What's, What's there? That? The money's there. Okay, so if the business, the, the, business. If the corporation leaves Canada completely, yep. no more manufacturing out of GM, mm-hmm. does that not mean that pensioners could also lose their pensions? Well, they, they didn't go into receivership, so that money is still there. Then there's, there, the money's still there, and the company still exists. So the pensions still exist. Otherwise, they're going to be able, not be able to sell it. But GM. GM's not responsible to give it to them, right? Well, if they paid into a pension plan, if the pension plan is still sitting within GM, it all depends on the pe- pension plan structure. So some of them give you a uh, a pension of a set, set a set amount of money that's stored at a third party. Let's say Sun Life. So you okay. work for let's say you work for company A, and you, the company pays into a pension plan that's managed by Sun Life. Okay. Sun Life holds the money. So if GM leaves, the money's still at Sun Life. But GM is the one that's that's owning the pension plan, right? They're running the pension plan because they're feeding into it. It's a joint service. So the employee pays and GM pays into it, a third-party provider. They do not go into receivership. 
So the money's still there. They pay off all the creditors, and the pension plan should still sit there. Otherwise, the Chevrolet Canada or GM Canada still exists in Canada because otherwise all the dealerships would close. So there would still be dealerships within Canada. Therefore, there would still be a lingering of GM in Canada. Therefore, pensioners would still be able to keep their pensions until GM decides to file bankruptcy and shut down everything. And they're not filing, they're restructuring. Well, I mean, like, in theory, if they did that. There's a whole other avenue of of, uh, law involved here, but even if the GM production leaves Canada, it doesn't mean GM Canada is gone. And the workers paid into that money, so the money's still there. So those pensioners should still feel safe because there's a little bit of fear-mongering that's going on about that, too. Of course. That... If GM completely, like, the argument was put forward that if GM leaves Ingersoll, like, manufacturing leaves Ingersoll, I think that's the last of GM manufacturing presence in Canada if they leave Ingersoll. And if that was the case, that meant that the pensions of those, of people who have served under GM are that they would lose their pensions. Yeah. I haven't seen anything relevant to that. I haven't. Usually when they file for bankruptcy, that's when the pensions are a threat. But if they're just winding down their business, then GM's still making money in Canada. Well, but- yeah, by selling cars to Canadians. Yeah. So GM Canada is still here. Okay. But what does that have to do with the workers? What is them well, the selling a, what is that what does them selling a product to Canadians have to do with let's say workers in a different country? Like if we were selling, if, if a car was made in Canada or if a car was made outside of Canada, what does that have to do with um, it being sold uh, in Canada? Like in terms of the people who made it and their pensions and all that. Like how does that? Well, if it's made outside Canada, the GM Canada still exists here. So How? How does that work? Yeah, how it works. It's just, they're now just a supply chain. It's just another supply chain. It's now imported. Just like Toyotas were originally, and they're sold in the market. They're just going to pay some tariffs, and the tariffs apparently are cheaper than than what they need to pay. So they'll look at all costs, and they, in this case, they're finding it's cheaper to import them and send them to Canada. All right. So then you could you could complain that the union didn't lobby strong enough in order to sway the issue, the things in in the U.S. MCA deal. Like there's a lot of things at play here, and we're not the only one. But I would say. If all the other car companies are still maintaining outlets here, then something else is up. What do you think it could be? Maybe their margins aren't high enough. I don't know. Maybe GM can't afford the plant that they're working in because it's it's only, what, 25% capacity? Maybe that's it. That big piece of real estate sitting near Toronto. Maybe it's just getting too expensive to maintain. And they don't feel that creating another plant somewhere else is worth it. I don't know. But I think there's a lot more than play here than saying it's the union's fault or it's the government's fault or it's, you know, it's it's just, you know, lack of people buying GM vehicles. But ultimately, when I see on the road, like every four vehicles, a GM product, well, something else is going on here. We also don't make a lot of those vehicles that you're seeing every four. I mean, other than, say, like the Impala. What was another one? I think it was the uh, the Volt. And the Chevy Cruze. That doesn't mean all, not all their parts. I mean, you see them, but... Yeah, but it's not all their parts. In fact, the Volt, I was there with the, with the engineers when they were unveiling that. 
they're designed to, to Canadians. I was there at that uh, product unveil, and I had time to talk to the engineer. So that they say Canadian in- innovation isn't here. The Volt is a Canadian designed product. Okay. Okay. So like, but we have people here that could do that, but they're abandoning it, or they're or they're taking, doing the, or they're taking it elsewhere. Well, that's another thing. The brain drain is significant. We they take Canadian brains all the time to move the south. So then, because we're exporting knowledge workers at a, such a high rate that uh, we call native or um, grassroots growth isn't happening in Canada because they're going to the major urban centers, which aren't here. Hmm. So there's other factors at play here. So if I if sure. I if I keep bring taking away my 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 all stars, I'm going to be left with a bush league team, and here we are bush league. So I think it's a good place to stop. In the sense is, I take in that you don't like unions. <laughs> You're putting words in my mouth again. Do I need to like spell out my original argument for you or no, what? I'm just fucking like with you it. take serious offense to the fact that. I just have anything negative to say about unions that might be true. <laughs> like, it's true. I'm just playing both sides. Uh, no, I'm the one that's playing the other side. I know, but I have to play the other side. No. We're balancing it out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> balancing it out. Like whiskey and rocks. Yeah, right. No, you're trying to dil- dilute and water down my argument. <sighs> There's checks and balances everywhere. And I and I and I think if we sum up and saying, I think we don't we're not getting the full story, and only the people that will know are the board of the directors of GM. They made the decision to pull out unions front and center because they're outspoken. They're doing their job. They're advocating. Yep. Vocally for their people. As well, they should. So they're doing their job. Yep. Because if they, I mean, if they, it looked like they were just going to lay down and die. I mean, that wouldn't look too good on the union. Canada Post, we didn't talk so much about them this time. No, we should. We, well, I mean... But we're kind of at the end of time. How Canada much, Post... How, how long have we been going for? We're just over an hour. Well, why don't we do a part two? We're going to do a part two. So Canada Post, maybe we can talk about it next time, and okay. you can enjoy more of our heated debate. Yay. So? so? <laughs> this is Fire Whiskey. <laughs> and I'm Spanked Rocks. <laughs> have a good week. Hey everybody, Rox here. I just want to take a moment of your time and shamelessly ask that you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of Whiskey and Rocks. We're currently on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube, and we're continuously looking for more ways to expand. As well, you can help us out even more if you write us a review on Facebook, tell your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club.